insanely sore today mm-hmm. because yesterday was the first day that I went from power walking to running yeah. at Orange Theory. And yeah. I like every movement I make, I feel like a muscle. I'd be like, oh! Yeah, I can... When I work out, I can run for, like, I'll throw in, like, 45 seconds or whatever of running, but I don't know. Actually, what I do, so I usually will pick, like, an album or something. Taylor Swift's 1989 album is a great workout one. Is that what you do? (laughs) Yes, because it has a lot of songs that are, like, high energy and then some that are low, so you get the interval. Um, But every chorus of every song, I'll, like, kick it a high gear and sprint. And then during the verses and nice. stuff, I won't. So I get, you know, the up and down. The interval training. Hey, yeah. that's, you know, a good way to work out. Yes, it is. I don't, uh, I wouldn't say T-Swift is my top workout it's also music of choice. It's also one of the few things from Spotify I've actually downloaded to my phone. And I have no reception or Wi-Fi in the gym at work. Oh, yeah. So, so. You're, you got to use what you've downloaded. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, everyone. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode six of Blood and Wine. I am Brittany. I'm Tyler. And today we've got great topic. Wine that I'm ridiculously excited to try. Oh, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah. So I guess, anyway, like I said, if you hear any like weird, like, ow, it's me moving. Or it could just be me in general. I, ever since I turned 25, I've just gone downhill, like oh, you said. yeah. Oh, yep, yeah, because you just had a birthday. I did. So, not too long I ago. aching bones and joints now. The big, you know, like I said, the rest is downhill. You're at your <sighs> apex of your 20s. God. Next thing you know, you're going to be like me and be 30. I will say, though, your late 20s into 30s sounds a lot more fun. It is, to be completely (laughs) honest. I like it so much more. Like, because I'm ready to, I don't know, be more stable. (laughs) What's that like? What's stability like? Oh, well, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure that one out. Okay, well... Um, so what did we, what did we talk about last week? Last week we talked about, um, oh, unconventional, unconventional murder weapons. Yes. Oh my God. I'm sorry. I completely forgot. And that was mine. (laughs) It was. No, that was a good one. Um, definitely. I still think a high heel is more unconventional than a guitar string, but it's fine. I lost. I will continue to argue my point. The guy got out after four fucking years. No, again, I still think yours very much deserved to win as a murderer and everything, but I don't know. Mine was more unconventional. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Well, on that note, that meant that I got to pick the wine for this week, Mm -hmm. and you got to pick the topic. Yes, I did. So. So, the topic for this week is indiscriminate killings. Which, I will be completely honest, when I was researching this one, it felt so broad yet also so specific mm-hmm. if that makes sense that i was having yeah. a really hard time finding something well i think this is another one similar to poisoning that we did a couple weeks ago where yeah. a lot of it is up to your interpretation like to me indiscriminate killing is just like the victims themselves are not like specifically selected as who they are as like a target yeah maybe like what they represent is but the victims themselves is 
more random. Yeah. Is that's how I view it at least. But again, okay. up for interpretation, I think, and that's what I like about it. Yeah, well, I'm interested to see how we each interpreted that topic. Yes. So definitely a very interesting one. Oh, I'm proud of myself for picking it. Yeah. So you wanna talk about this this wine? You want me to talk about this wine? Yes, I want I wanna open it. Wine, wine, wine. Wine, wine, wine. So here in Austin, Texas. It is hot as fuck this week. I want to die. I think the, I think we've mentioned the heat in the past like three episodes. It's this getting week hotter. Is, well, I mean that's how the summer works. But this what? week so far <laughs> has been so much worse, and just really the past few weeks because um, I don't know about y'all. This is my first summer here, mm-hmm. and everyone would warn me about the heat, like oh just. You know, wait for wait for August and September, sometimes even October. And I'm like, ugh. They're like, yeah, it'll it starts hitting 100 degrees in July. Yeah, no, it started hitting 100 degrees in May. Yeah, and now we're in June, and it's like this heat wave that it's gone through, which it's completely it's not normal. I don't believe. I mean, this any is my uh, fourth summer in Austin, and it's by it's, far being one of the hottest, at least it seems. It's brutal, and <laughs> I am. I've, ugh, I'm used to, I am used to summers being like, you know, there's that one week, third or fourth week of July that it's in the 90s. It's pretty <laughs> miserable. And then the rest of the summer is like high 70s and 80s. Okay. You say that's what you're used to. You grew up in Oklahoma. I know, but okay, I've, it I've got blocked it out of my memory. <laughs> I got used to Seattle. Okay. Well, all of this being said, because yes. of the heat... I picked a rosé because I'm so excited. Right now, I don't want to drink a red wine. I need something light, amazing, dry, crisp, and so a little bit of a story as to why I am just absolutely obsessed with rosé. Last fall, actually, kind of summer, but it was the fall. It was the beginning of September. Uh, me and two of my best friends went to France for. Um, our birthdays. It was my 30th. Uh, one of the other girls turned 30 and one turned 29. Nope, that was a lie. She turned 28. I can do math. She's turning 29 this year. That's what, oh, okay. that's what I was thinking I was about. like, what? <laughs> anyway, so we went and it was just like, we went, we spent some time in Paris and then we also went down to Nice mm. and like the rosé was just flowing, especially in Nice because it's mm-hmm. there like on the Mediterranean and so when I think of kind of that perfect wine that I want when it's hot. As you know, I'm not a huge white wine drinker, yeah. so I, I pick rosé. See, my experience with rosé, I actually for the longest time thought like a rosé meant a white zen. So like, does barrager. not. So when I thought rosé, I thought back to like being 19 and drinking oh, God. white zen. That box of Franzia. Oh no, it wasn't even Franzia, it was Behringer. Mmm. Kool-Aid. But I later, actually when I was in Norway, I had recently started drinking wine, um, but was still, you know, liking sweeter, whatever, not as heavy wines. Right. And I got this bottle of Mateus, which is a Portuguese rosé, 
The bottle is oh. so cool. It's like really round. It, the bottle oh. itself is almost a circle with a stem. Wait, that's interesting. Um, and it was not a white swan. It was just right. a rosé. And I was like, oh, this isn't sweet, but this is good. Like, there's a big difference. Like, oh, and then I looked up and was like, oh, shit, this is what a rosé is. Not what I've been thinking. And so, yeah. as, you know, when I'm, when I'm wanting a, a lighter, basically a non-red wine... I'll always pick either a rosé or a Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah, yeah. Well, isn't the Sauvignon Blanc what we had a few weeks ago? Yes, it is. Yes, I, I like that. I love them because they're like just that. so refreshing. But it was. But tell me about this one. So what I have picked, it's a, it is a French rosé. It is from the J L Canson Winery. It's their Cote de Provence rosé. And Cote translates to coast. Yes, it is from okay. the coast, and so I'll get into a little bit more of that here in a moment, but oh. it's on the Mediterranean coast. Mm. This one we got at Trader Joe's, and... <laughs> like always. Like always. That's, that's our, our place. <laughs> Again, hey, Trader Joe's, do you want to sponsor us? <laughs> <laughs> no, but what I was going to say, the reason I brought it up, I mean, this time, was because... My research, I couldn't find this winery, but everything I found talked about Trader Joe's being the one that carries it. So, oh. I mean, maybe they're the... The North American distributor or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that might be it. And that might be why this is what I found. So, it's only about $8, and the bottles are really cool looking. It is. It's, um, it's like a lava lamp. Yes, it does have a very <laughs> lava lampy look. It's it's curvy, Um kind of like just like hourglass type shape it's really cool it's a beautiful lady <laughs> so this one is a 2017 and it is from france and kind of the birthplace of rosé or one of the places where it is made mm. the most is on the Côte de provence which is the southeastern coast of france um which is on the mediterranean kind mm. of just like you were saying so yes it is on the coast so southeast so like Nice, Marseille, that area. Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. Which is why that's oh, so, what we drank when we you drank know where these. you've been, where <laughs> I love to go. But sure, that's fine. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Well, this place, this area has become very well known for the rosé, and like you know, mm. pink is their thing. More than half of the wines that are produced in the area are rosé. So oh, like, nice. That's what they do okay. in the, the Côte de Provence. So this winery is one of France's largest wine producers. Mm -hmm. And the rosé that they make, it's characteristically dry, but it does have some acidity, um, which makes it like really good to have as an aperitif. So mm -hmm. um, that's beginning. Yeah. yeah, before before the meal. I, for some reason, I always think aperitif... I, I can't remember if it's before the meal or after the meal. Yeah. And do they use the same word for both of those, actually? I don't know. I don't know. I, it's before. <laughs> it's before. It's a good one to start your meal with. This rosé is made from a 50-50 blend of Grenache and Cinso grapes. Mm. And those are two of the most common um, grape, grape varietals to use in rosé. 
there's going to be a little bit of some berry notes and um, hints of melon and rose petals. Ooh, so I'm so really, very light. Yes. And if you look at it, it doesn't have a super deep pink color. No. It's more on the lighter side. So question. I know red wines are red because they keep the skin on the grape. White wines are not because they remove the skin. Where does the rosé fit in there? I think... I think... Okay. They leave the skins in for a little bit and then take them out and finish the fermentation. Okay. But... Because, like, with red, they leave the skins in the entire time. Yeah. And then sift them off at the end after it's fermented. I I think that's what it is. Mm. Um, mm. Gotta love that cap screw. I know. So we are using these vintage looking glasses that I have. Mm. I actually got these in Portland <laughs> at a little oh. thrift store and I had to bring them back. They're just so cute. You'll I see a picture you got of them. them in Portland. Yeah, yeah, I got them when I was with um, our sister Sydney. So, okay. Screw this back on. Oh, let's get into this. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Well, let's smell it first. Oh. Nice and floral. Mmm. Okay. Cheers. Mm. Cheers. I like that. Ooh, that's nice. I mean, it's definitely a very dry rosé. Yeah. I'm a fan of it. Me too. Ooh. Mm. Oh my god, I'm getting this one again. It's supposed to be like, it's very highly rated. Oh. Like, everything I found, like, is it's one of those, like cheaper options it's still a really good french rosé yeah i keep forgetting that it's like an actual french one like imported and everything and still eight bucks i know it amazes me Mm. yeah i'm gonna have to keep this bottle i'm yes because just imagine just imagine sipping this outside on your bistro chairs on the patio yes pretend we're in france i would know what it's like but I would, and it would be lovely. Mm. Well, while I drink this French rosé, what murder are you going to tell me about? Or uh, crime, or what? What indiscriminate killing am I going to tell you about? Yes. <laughs> well, I... And it may be a little bit of a cop-out, but I don't think it is because it was super interesting to research. But possibly one of the most famous cases of indiscriminate killings uh, that I know of which is the Chicago Tylenol murders. Oh my god. Okay, I'm really interested to see what you have to say about this one mm. because I know about this one and I yeah. feel like I know quite a bit about it. See, I so I'd like to thought I did and then I researched <laughs> it a lot and I was like, "Ooh, I knew the basics, but okay." There is a big possibility I've forgotten a lot of this. Yeah. Um it's fucking crazy. So Yeah. It's um it's a lot. It's yeah. But anyway, so my sources that I use um, Wikipedia, PBS NewsHour. Oh, ABC- cool. Oh, I know. Okay. I didn't realize PBS had a NewsHour, but... It, it makes was, sense. It does. And it was really, actually, really helpful. It was a lot of information. Um, ABC News. And then also, this one was a weird site, but it's Domu, which is actually a Chicago, like, apartment-finding website. What? Like, Zillow or Redfin or Wait, something. Wait, what kind of information did you find on that? Some really good information. I really didn't know why at first. And then I looked into it and it's just on their like 
history of Chicago on like each they have this little section for each different neighborhood. And oh this my god, was, and they're like, and this is the neighborhood where the Tylenol <laughs> Basically, and I'm like, okay. Thanks for you know what, honestly though, it's nice on apartment sites like that that they're not just like <laughs> And this is the one where the Girl Scouts sell cookies and there's rainbows and smiles. They're like, oh, this happened here, by the way. Just so you know, you'll probably hear, so we'll just be up front and tell you about it right now. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like when you are buying a house and the realtor's like, by the way, I don't have to tell you, but like, I don't know, like a whole family was slaughtered here and whatever, but you know, it's nice. I appreciate that. Would you buy a home if you knew someone had been murdered in it? Like, not just died, because that happens, but, like, murdered. I actually... Funny story. I have a friend that did. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I was in Seattle, she and her, um, I believe, fiancé were buying a house. And the previous owner, uh, I think, had actually committed suicide. But um, I think with a gun. Like, so it it was like a biohazard kind of issue. Were they able to get it cheaper? I think so. Yeah, I think that's I, why I they disclosed that and And I am not um I am not someone who believes in the supernatural, so the thought of like ghosts and all that I'd be like cool, whatever. But so yeah, no, I probably would. It would depend. It would depend on why they were murdered. Were they murdered because it's like an unsafe neighborhood or are they murdered because like they just happened to be happen. murdered in the house. Okay, then yeah, probably. It was a nice house. I think I would too. Yeah, it'd be creepy knowing like. What do y'all think? Would y'all buy um, murder house? Ooh, send us an email. Yeah, blood and wine. Or if you have bought a murder house, yeah, blood and wine podcast at gmail dot com. I want to hear your stories. Yes, is to either if you you own a home and there was a murder there, tell tell us about the murder. Mm-hmm. Um, or just if you would or would not like mm-hmm. tell us tell us why i'm interested to hear in the people who would not because I, I feel like i know the reasons people would not but be interesting to hear like maybe actually I don't. firsthand exactly um it i will say it would be weird if you knew details about it you know if you were like walking down the hallway and you're like huh this is where the husband was shot right here that would be pretty weird it would. Like, so... But I feel like if I were to buy a house that something had happened in, I would ask all those questions. Yeah. Like, I I would just want to know the details. Yeah. In order to make that decision. Like, I don't think it would influence my decision, but I, I would still so. want to know. Yeah. Because... Yeah, I'm sure you could get it cheaper. And as long as it wasn't... I think I would also want to talk... If it was, like, a situation where it was okay to, I'd want to, like... I don't know, discuss it with, like, I guess the surviving family members or something and just be like... Wow, you would go, like, real detailed into it. I don't know. I, I don't think they would want you to reach out to them to talk to them well, about no, this. no, but if they, like, I don't know, were part of it or whatever. Did you know my mother was killed right there? I don't know, because I would just want to, like, are you cool with someone buying this house? I don't know. I guess their answer would hopefully be like, yeah, I just want to get the fuck away from it. Yeah, probably. That's what I'm thinking. But anyway, so yes, apartment websites can sometimes be great murder sources. You know, I'm 
glad our apartment complex doesn't have anything on it about murder, though, to be honest. Mm, but I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, my God. What if someone died in my kitchen? Oh, my God. Maybe that's why it slopes. This apartment is so weird. Okay. Continue. <laughs> yes. So, Chicago Tylenol murders. So, early on the morning of September 29th of 1982, so, like, 36 years ago or so, mm-hmm. um, a medical mystery began with a sore throat and a runny nose. Um, oh. It was then that Mary Kellerman, who was a 12-year-old girl from Elk Grove Village, which is a suburb of Chicago, uh, she told her mom and dad about her symptoms. She's like, oh, I feel sick. And they gave her one extra strength Tylenol mm-hmm. to make her feel better. Mary was dead by 7 a.m. What? And they gave her the pill, like, the night before? They gave that morning. And she was dead by 7 p.m.? By 7 a.m. Oh, shit. Sorry, I was getting my night, day, whatever. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, within a week, her death, like, panicked the entire nation. And only a few months later, it actually changed the way that we purchase um, and consume, like, over-the-counter medicine. Uh Uh-huh. That same day, a 27-year-old postal worker named Adam Janus of Arlington Heights, Illinois, which is another suburb of Chicago. Mm-hmm. All of these are happening within either Chicago or the suburban area around. Okay. Um, Adam Janus died of what was initially thought to be like a massive heart attack, which was really shocking for everyone because he's, you know, 27. Oh my God, like, yeah. No, Not someone weird. you would think having a massive heart attack. Yeah. So, but that's, that's what the symptoms and everything look like. That's what... Okay. So, later that day, um, his brother and sister-in-law, Stanley, who's 25, and Teresa, who were 19, of Lyle, Illinois, they rushed to his home to, like, you know, console their loved ones because their, like, brother and brother-in-law had just died. Right. Um, so... Because of, like, all this stress and trauma happening, both of them had, like, throbbing head ca- headaches. <laughs> Fucker, headcakes. <laughs> both of them had, like, throbbing headaches, which is, like, not uncommon response for a death in the family. Right. So both of them each took a oh, Tylenol shit. Extra Strength capsule oh. or two um, from the same bottle that Adam had used earlier that day. Yep. Uh, Stanley died that day and Teresa died two days later. Jesus. So this family within the course of two days lost three members of the family. Oh, I cannot even imagine something like that. Yeah. Um, Over the next few days three more strange deaths occurred. There was 35-year-old Mary McFarland from Elmhurst, Illinois 35-year-old Paula Prince of Chicago and 27-year-old Mary Reiner of Winfield, Illinois. All of them had taken a Tylenol shortly before they died. So, we know now that, yeah, the, you know, there was poison put in the Tylenol. Right, we know that now. But then they had no idea what the fuck is happening. But researchers and investigators, you know, started to put the pieces together being like, what the fuck? looking at, like, the stomach contents and all that, and all these similar deaths, and found out that all of them had died from poisoning by potassium cyanide. I can only imagine just, like, 
the the chaos that was going around in the community mm-hmm. and them trying to figure out like what the fuck is going on and why are these people just dropping dead. Because yeah, when it first started, it you know these people were dying, but it wasn't obvious why. You know, I'm sure poisoning was thought of fairly soon into the investigation. But, like, what is being poisoned? So, yeah, I'm sure the community is freaking the fuck out. Yeah. Like, is it the water? Is it, like, something... I was about to say something in the grocery store. It is. But I was saying, like, meats or, like, what's going on? Like, um... Like all the fucking lettuce that's killing us nowadays. Yeah, that's why we just don't eat salads. Just kidding. That's I'm... not the only reason I don't eat salad, <laughs> but sure. No, what's actually kind of funny, this is not, okay, funny is very much the wrong word of choice. I'm not really <laughs> suffering. For, I do eat a lot of salads, but I'm not suffering right now because I use spinach and kale because I'm a fucking hipster, kind of. Yeah. But also spinach is just better. Oh, except for a good arugula salad. So off topic. Anyway. Oh, arugula is amazing, though. Like that so, fucking calamari. The fucking calamari last oh night. Oh my god. Okay, you guys, we had the best calamari calamari of our lives last night. It was so good. It was served over like it was just some pretty standard calamari yeah. served over an arugula salad with this light like lemon dress. Oh my god. And it was so good. And it was cooked properly. It wasn't rubbery. Like we have a new favorite restaurant in Austin, we North do. Italia. It's so good. It wonderful. is wonderful. Right downtown. Gorgeous outside patio for when it's not 180 billion degrees outside, but awesome restaurant. Anyway, going from delicious food, let's go into uh, how potassium cyanide kills you. Yes. Because that's a pretty good transition. So, if cyanide's inhaled, which these were not, these were ingested, but I had to include this because, holy shit. So, if it's inhaled, it can cause a coma with seizures, apnea, which is when you stop breathing when you're sleeping... And mm-hmm. cardiac arrest. And death can follow in a matter of seconds. What the fuck? Yeah. Seconds? Seconds. So all of that happens just like... I man. guess fairly immediately. Like you fall unconscious, have a seizure, stop breathing, and your heart stops. I Jesus. guess. Um, these were, again, were not cases of inhalation. and But cyanide at lower doses... Uh, can cause a loss of consciousness that can be preceded by like general weakness, giddiness, headaches, vertigo, confusion, and a perceived difficulty in breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, so interestingly, it has the perceived difficulty in breathing, but at the first stages of unconsciousness, breathing is often like fine or even rapid. But as the poison like progresses and the person gets more into a deep coma, it's sometimes accompanied by pulmonary edema, which is when... What's that again? <clears throat> it's when liquid starts filling the, like, air sacs in your lungs. That's right, that's right. So, I can never remember that one. Yeah. So, is liquid in the lungs, basically. Yeah. And that makes it hard to breathe. Mm-hmm. And then finally, cardiac arrest. And a... God. So, it's a violent death. It, yeah. Thankfully, for the most part, you're always unconscious, but, Thank God. Yeah. Um, one of the signs, though, is that your skin turns like a cherry, or it can turn like a cherry red color. Um, oh my that God. changes to dark. That <gasps> sometimes happens. Oh, that sounds creepy. But, so, similar like carbon monoxide poisoning, where a person's skin's like real pink. That's one of the signs. Pink? Mm-hmm. If you have carbon monoxide poisoning, your skin gets real pink. Is it mercury poisoning that makes your skin kind of gray? 
I don't know. What's the one that makes your skin kind of gray? Being old. What's the... Isn't it... Oh, my God. I'm having, like, a flashback to some weird show on, like, the Discovery Channel or something where there's this guy arsenic. that's... The guy that's blue. Yes. Okay, so... It's not gray, but it's kind of like a yeah. metallic, bluey, grayish color. I think And his skin is that color. It's arsenic or mercury. I think it's a metallic poison, which would be arsenic or mercury or something similar. Right. Arsenic's metallic? It's... Oh. Element-wise considered a metal. Oh. But, um... Anyways. You, you remember that uh, periodic table. There you, you go, boy. <laughs> I know. I'm so good. Um... But anyway, so sometimes with cyanide poisoning, one of the telltale signs is the body is a deep red color. Right. Okay. Um, I didn't know that. Not always, though. So Johnson & Johnson, which is the company that manufactures Tylenol, mm-hmm. actually took like a really active role in, after these poisonings. Um, they issued like mass warning communications like do not take Tylenol that you purchased. Yeah. Um, and they recalled over... 31 million bottles of Tylenol. And that's over, at the time, it was over like $100 million worth of product. Yeah. And this is the 80s. So that's like, I don't know, $7 trillion nowadays. It's not. But I don't know, inflation numbers. You know, I will say, this is something that I, it it amazes me. I'm very, very proud of Johnson & Johnson for stepping up and doing that. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it was, not all companies yeah. I feel like I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it. Like, not all companies are going to think about the safety of the consumer mm-hmm. when it comes to, like, the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And so I'm so proud of Johnson & Johnson for stepping up, announcing, like, yeah. these basically these recalls and saying everything because, you know. Well, and it's, they did this recall without the FDA making them do it. Right. Which I feel like there's a lot... Maybe not a lot, but I feel like there are certain recalls that happen that the companies are are fully aware of the dangers, but only recall once they're told to. Right. Well, I mean, one thing I think of is, like, big tobacco. Mm-hmm. The whole tobacco industry. Like, Please don't at us, big tobacco. I'm just You know saying, what? Fuck it. Do. Uh, we know it's not good. Yeah. We know that's horrible, but, like, the company's still churning it out they put on the warning labels but what i was going to say back to johnson and johnson and tylenol like i feel like part of why tylenol is still something like people buy tylenol Mm -hmm. all the time every day and the fact that they were able to come back from this oh yeah it it blows my mind but i think a lot of it is due to their immediate action and response Mm -hmm. to the situation sorry this is totally like i mean i work in branding and whatnot so this like really like, well, there blows at, my mind. Before the poisonings, Tylenol's market share in the like over the counter pain reliever was I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it was something like fifty percent. Like they owned it, and after these, it dropped to something like six to eight percent. Yeah, and they've come back from that because again, it's one of those branding recognition names. You're you're if you have a headache, you're not going to be like I'm going to grab an acetaminophen. You're going to grab a Tylenol. Yeah. It's just like Kleenex. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that the the brand name has become the noun. You know what? I'm going to start calling it a facial tissue. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, sorry, I'm about to sneeze. Does anyone have a facial tissue? (laughs) Please don't. People are going to look at you and be like, no, but I have a Kleenex. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, or say tissue, but I don't, yeah. tissue sounds like so like infantized and I don't, anyway. Someone have a tissue? So tissue. one thing that's, it's actually really funny. I don't, I don't actually buy Tylenol brand. No. Bitch, I, I buy like store brand. I, was say, I know. I, I'm pretty sure the one I have is like AGB or Walgreens brand. Yeah. But I still call it Tylenol. Oh, yeah. So, which is, well, actually, I will say, which is a very interesting fact. I don't, I don't actually buy acetaminophen or Tylenol. I buy uh, naproxen sodium. Fun fact, it's the strongest over-the-counter painkiller you can get. So when you, I don't know, have something like kidney a, a kidney stone every, like, fucking eight weeks or whatever, you should use naproxen sodium, which I think is a leave. Yeah, it's a leaf. It's, I don't know, it's the blue one. Mm-hmm. But, so that's what I get. But yeah. again, I, I have, like, a bottle that's, like, a 600-count store brand. Yeah. Um, anyway. So, so yeah, back to your... Getting back to uh, the Tylenol murders, uh, Johnson Johnson really stepped up. They sent out the mass warnings. They recalled 31 million bottles. Uh, tainted capsules were actually discovered in early October in a few grocery stores and drug stores that were in the Chicago area. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, most of the ones they found had not been sold or consumed. Thank God. Though, there were a couple bottles that went unaccounted for. So someone, like, maybe had it in their cabinet someone, and didn't throw it away? Yeah. Like, someone had bought some cyanide pills or some cyanide pills, some cyanide lace Tylenol, yeah, and hadn't sent them through the recall. Or... Oh, so when these things are recalled, like people would send them in. Yeah, they send them back to Tylenol for or to Johnson Johnson for a refund. Do and so okay. they take count and test each bottle. Right, I'm actually surprised that it was only two bottles that didn't get sent back. To be completely honest, I feel like. There are a lot of people who wouldn't go through the trouble, and maybe this was just such a scare that they did. Go I think through. that's what it was. It, yeah, I mean, because if you think about it, all these people died in more or less the same day. Like this Jesus, is yeah. huge news that's going on. People are freaking the fuck out. I mean, people are just dropping dead. Essentially. And so yeah, and once people figure out like, oh, it's the Tylenol. I can imagine everyone in the Chicago area went through their medicine cabinet. Yes. And was like, Tylenol? Mm-mm, no. I just think about the few people that had probably taken a Tylenol right before, like, watching this on the news. Like, how fucking horrifying would that be? I literally would freak the actual fuck out and probably go get some Ipecac. Or what's the... Ipecac, yeah. Ipecac. vomit. Yes. That or... Uh, I know a lot of people went to the hospital... Like, went oh, to the ER totally. being like, I took Tylenol, am I going to die? Freaking oh out. God, because yes. same. I would do that. I would run across the street, go to the emergency room, and be like, please charge me a billion dollars. I don't want to die. You know what? At that moment, it doesn't fucking matter how much it costs because mm. you just don't want to die. Yeah. So, since the poisonings all occurred in Chicago and its surrounding suburbs... Um, the police knew that they like they could rule out sabotage in production because production happens on more of like a nationwide scale. Right, right. So yeah, it's going everywhere, not just one one place. Yeah, and since all of the different bottles of Tylenol had come from different pharmaceutical companies, 
Mm-hmm. Um, they could also rule out tampering from like delivery sites and on a, like a more regional scale there. Okay. Okay. But Johnson Johnson, or because of that info, Johnson Johnson and the police were able to like pretty quickly establish that the cyanide lacing occurred after the Tylenol had left the factories and left the like delivery sites. So in the stores? Yeah. So some police like were pretty sure that someone must have taken bottles off of the shelves at the local grocery stores and drug stores in the Chicago area. Yeah. Then laced the capsules with the poison and returned the restored packages to the shelves to be purchased by the victims. Because remember, this is, if you don't know, this is actually the case. This is the reason why there are now the tamper seals and tamper-proof bottles. Yeah, I did know that part. But it's, if you think about this whole process of someone like, that... They go through so much to get them, tamper with them, make it look like they haven't been touched, bring it back. So I'm guessing, oh. Well, if you just think about it, at this point in time, so this person walks into the drugstores, whatever, buys a couple bottles of Tylenol, which is literally not going to be suspicious to anyone, ever. Also, at this point in time, a lot of uh, these grocery stores and drugstores don't have, like, camera systems. So even though they're like, yeah, Tylenol was purchased, let's look at, you know, we know obviously before the end of September it was purchased and this happened. Yeah. A lot of these places don't have cameras to see who purchased. Well, and if you buy it in cash. Well, nowadays what they would do is they would, you know, maybe take the month prior Mm -hmm. and look at it at every person who purchased Tylenol during that time. But they can't do that these days. Back in the 80s. No. Um, this is God. also one of the reasons that nowadays all the stores... Have cameras? Not the reason, but a contributing factor to yeah. it. Um, so yeah, someone walked in, bought all these Tylenols, took them home, opened it up because it's just a bottle that you unscrew the cap, they put, they laced it with cyanide, closed it back up, put it back on the shelf, or went back to the store, put it back on the shelf because you know, there's no tamper seal, there's nothing... There's nothing that would indicate... That it had been opened. Yeah, because even if you think about it, the, like, plastic... The, like, clear plastic uh, little wrapper that's around the the cap on a lot of pills, mm-hmm. that, too, was done because of this. So not only that little foil seal, but that... So before this, it was just a fucking bottle. Yeah. So the victims literally just purchased a bottle of Tylenol from the store. That's all they did. So um, it could have literally been anyone. It could have been anyone. That kills me. Mm-hmm. So, getting into the suspects. One of the prime suspects was Roger Arnold. Um, Arnold was a dock worker who was employed by Jewel, uh, where some of the tainted Tylenol had been purchased at two separate retail locations. One of Tylenol... Or, one of... Tyler's. That's me. <laughs> this wine is happening quickly. One of Tyler's. <laughs> uh, one of Arnold's co-workers was the father-in-law of one of the victims, Mary Reiner. And in addition, Arnold's ex-wife had been committed to a psychiatric ward that was across the street from where Miss Reiner had purchased the poison Tylenol. Mm-hmm. So he has quite a bit of connections to her and to you know the places that sold the Tylenol. 
Um, a raid of his home turned up, among other things, a slew of unregistered handguns, ammunition, chemicals, two one-way tickets to Thailand, old copies of Soldier and Fortune magazine, and the Anarchist's Cookbook. Anarchist Cookbook, I've never read it or anything, but I know it has, like, poison recipes. That's where you put the the pronunciation of recipes. Recipes. <laughs> recipes. Um, I believe it has, like, instructions on how to make, like, Molotov cocktails. Stuff like that. So they found all that shit in his apartment. Oh, my God. Um, but following a thorough investigation, Arnold was ruled out as a suspect. Really? Never, nevertheless, he was furious at the bartender who had turned him into police. This bartender thought this was the dude, thought he was the Tylenol murderer. Mm -hmm. Through maybe talking about it at the bar or whatever. Um, And that bartender was Marty Sinclair, um, who was, who had informed police, like, yo, fucking, you need to look at Roger Arnold. Yeah. And Arnold was furious at Sinclair. Uh, Arnold actually had had a nervous breakdown due to all the media attention on him. Um, and he blamed all of that on Sinclair as well. Mm-hmm. So in the summer of 83, so the summer after the Tylenol murders happened, Arnold shot and killed John uh, Stanisha. Jesus. Um, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Um, whom he had mistook for Sinclair. Uh, so he killed the wrong guy. He killed the wrong guy. Stanisha was unrelated to any of these people, did not know who Arnold was, had no idea of either of them. So completely innocent bystander. Um, Arnold was actually convicted of murder in January of 84 and served 15 years on 30-year sentence for second-degree murder um, and wound up, he did die in June of 2008. Oh, my God. So, going back to the 80s, um, in early 83, at the FBI's request, the Chicago Tribune columnist uh, Bob Green actually published the address and grave location of Mary Kellerman, who was the first the very victim, first one, the, okay, the 12-year-old. Yeah. Um, the God. story which... I still can't believe she was 12, I'm sorry. It just, that's so not fair. Yeah. She had everything ahead of her. It just had a cold, took some Tylenol was murdered so innocent such an innocent action to take it's something i don't ever even think about i mean shit sometimes maybe too often i'll I'll pop a couple benadryls go to sleep or i'll have a headache and i'll pop and i'll leave i know it's it's something it's something i mean i couldn't even tell you the last time i did it because it's such a non-event and yet for these people it killed them yeah it is such Um, a non-event but this, so the story that was, it was written with the Kellerman family's consent. Um, oh, good. Was proposed by FBI criminal analyst John Douglas. Uh, his theory was that the perpetrator might visit the house or gravesite if he were aware of the locations. Um, and both sites were actually kept under 24 hour surveillance for months. But, John Douglas is the dude that fucking wrote Mindhunter. Seriously? Yes. I'm sorry. I it, it took me a while to say that because I I had to get up and get the book because like I had the thought I was like wait I fucking know that name. Okay, yeah, it's, that is John Douglas. So he was also involved in the. I wonder if it's in this book. 
Okay, guys, I, just so y'all know, I literally just started this book. I'm only maybe 100 pages in, and I apologize for totally cutting you off. You were, yeah. like, right in the groove, but John Douglas, I was like, wait, I know that guy. So, is Mindhunter the one that is also, like, now on Netflix that you keep telling me to watch? Yes. Okay. So fucking good. Again, I think you mentioned that in, like, episode one. It's episode six, and I have not. Okay, well, you need to fucking watch it. It's so fucking good. I think there's only, like, eight to ten episodes. It's a quick-ish Okay, watch. but I also need to, like, also watch The Office. You know, which is, like, 35 you know you seasons. No, no, no. Here you go. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to start watching Mindhunter. And when you need a break from how heavy it is, you're going to watch a few episodes of The Office. Because you're going to need that comic relief. That's what you're going to do. It's your plan. Okay, I guess my that's my plan, guys. That's it. All right. I'm done. I apologize. Please tell me what John Douglas did because I wasn't listening because I got so excited by hearing his name. Okay. So, John Douglas uh, was an FBI analyst. His theory was that the perpetrator of these murders might visit the house or gravesite if he, well, if they. They. If they yeah. knew of the locations of where they were. Um so that's why the uh, Chicago Tribune published their story that had the address, oh, or the family address, well, the house address, oh, and the uh, grave location. Okay. Again, uh, both of the sites were kept under 24-hour surveillance for months, and nothing. The yeah. killer never surfaced. Yeah. So, sorry, John. Very didn't work this time. Yeah. Um, also, while this investigation going on, there's a fuck ton of copycat poisonings going on. Oh, uh, involving, shit, I didn't even think about copycats. Mm-hmm, they're involving Tylenol and just a shit ton of other over-the-counter medications. Yeah. Uh, and, it, like, from the 80s and, like, into the early 90s. Um, but none of these copycat poisonings were as dramatic or as deadly as the um, Chicago Tylenol murders. Yeah. But even today, there are conspiracies conspiracy theories about the motives and the suspects of all of these acts. Oh. Um, that are just, you know, swimming around the internet. It's yeah. so easy to fall into, like, a hole and just get into all those conspiracy theories. Oh, conspiracy theories. I know. Mm-hmm. One of... So, a bit of a weird transition, because this next one is not a conspiracy theory, it's just another suspect, but another of the suspects was Ted Kaczynski... Who's better known as the Unabomber. I was really hoping you were going to include this. because Of course I'm going to. I know, but like when I first heard it, I was like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. It's almost like that show you've been watching that's like, you know, this dude was the gold, or was the, not the gold scale, was the Zodiac and killed JonBenet Ramsey and did the Tylenol murders and, you know, murdered Amelia Earhart. And I'm like, I don't think he did all of those things. I yeah. don't think they're all related. That last one, not a part of the show, but okay, for those, but like, whatever. Um, Tyler's talking about the show I just started watching called um, It Was Him. It's on the Paramount Network, and it's about Ed Edwards, who supposedly has potentially committed all of these crimes. Like, he confessed to five murders and there's one um, detective that's 
uh, basically dedicated his life to researching this. I'm only one episode in, so yeah. I can't really say I'm, how I feel, but I feel like it kind of could very, be a lot of bullshit. Yeah, I'm very skeptical. If it's true, then holy shit, I will be the first to admit I was wrong. I will send this detective, like, Flowers. a Christmas ham. Oh, I guess that He makes, might prefer a Christmas ham. You know, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. But I'm just, I'm just I thinking will, flowers because of my gorgeous peonies that we got today at Trader Joe's. I, they were eight fucking dollars. They're so worth every penny. Sure. Uh, they're, they're worth every penny because you ain't the one who bought them. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, so yeah, one of the suspects was the Unabomber. Ted Kaczynski. So in 2011, the FBI requested DNA samples from Kaczynski. Uh, they said he was among numerous individuals from hu- whom the Bureau uh, was trying to obtain voluntary DNA samples as part of a re-examination of the killings. Yeah. So at this time, in a couple months, the FBI was going to auction off a shit ton of his things from his house. Um, oh, that's all his right. Evidence. I forgot they fucking did that. And he said, I'll give you my DNA sample if you don't auction off everything. Because I know that DNA can be finicky and some of my, some of the stuff in my home can be helpful in proving my innocence. Because he never, he denied ever having potassium cyanide. Yeah. And he was saying, you know, the evidence of that I never fucking had it can be found on a lot of my stuff. So, yes, I'll give you my DNA. If like, you with the don't. fact that it's not on anything. Yeah. yeah. So, I'll give you my DNA if you don't auction off. They, they, the auction went forward as planned. And I don't think that Kaczynski gave them his DNA. Because they didn't have enough on him for a warrant. Right. You know and what? The fact that he was able to... The dude was so fucking now, smart. Kaczynski, he is... So, one of the issues I have with a lot of, like... TV show murderer serial killers like Bones and whatever is they often will have this serial killer arc where Sherlock too where the serial killer is this like incredibly intelligent like mastermind puppeteer and that just doesn't happen like it makes wait so Ted Kaczynski wasn't that smart no 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 no. that's not what I'm saying oh sorry Uh, so one of my issues with shows is that they do that for like every serial killer right and that's just not the common that's for the most part no they're not they're not these puppeteers it makes for great tv right but no ted kaczynski though was that person he was you know the fucking moriarty i think that's the dude on sherlock the like incredibly intelligent you know he was i haven't watched sherlock so you literally just spoiled that for no, me no i didn't the, the okay one oh, it's not my fault the books are a hundred years old okay so you know what <sighs> okay no i refuse all right i'm I guess, sorry i guess the statute of limitations for spoilers with sherlock has expired spoiler alert the titanic sinks i'm sorry if you didn't know that, it was also Did you know there are ago. actually people that think it's just a movie and not a real event? Because kids are fucking stupid. That. Does that hurt you? Does that make you want to, like, crawl up in a ball with your own bottle and just chug it? No. You know what does make me want to? 
is the fact that nowadays you'll see like theme park attractions that's like a big ass inflatable slide that's the Titanic because oh have you not seen that shit? That's sick. Because apparently after a hundred years or so, that's what your average tragedy becomes is a blow up slide at a theme park or a I don't, carnival. I don't even want to talk about this anymore. Yeah. Go I back know. to I know. I That's just can't what, even. Yeah. So, anyway, they had the auction. Kaczynski, I'm pretty sure, did not submit his DNA because he was like, no, those were my conditions. And the FBI didn't have enough on him to yeah. have a warrant. Right. So, so they never got it. I don't believe they, they got it. Oh, my God. But their connection to why they thought Kaczynski, the Unabomber, may have been involved in this is the first four of the Unabomber crimes happened in Chicago and its suburbs from 78 to 80. Mm-hmm. And the Tylenol poisonings happened in 82. And Kaczynski's oh. parents also did have a suburban Chicago home in Lombard, Illinois, in 82, where he did stay at occasionally. Okay. So that was their connection. Okay. To me, it's a fairly it's weak... It's kind of a weak connection, yeah. It's that's what I was going to say. But you know, intelligent killer doing this. But I I don't know. I don't think the Unabomber did it. I don't think it fits his profile. I also don't work for the FBI, so who the fuck knows? So one True. of the final suspects that I wanted to mention was James William Lewis. This is fucking interesting because I've heard vaguely about him, but this one's a lot. Okay. So during the early parts of the investigation, Lewis was found to have sent an extortion letter to Johnson & Johnson demanding $1 million to stop the attacks. Which is pretty solid evidence, right? Well, police were unable to link him with the crimes because he and his wife lived in New York City at the time. So he wasn't in the Chicago area when this all happening. So it could just be some guy just trying to get some money? Yeah. So he... That's what they thought. That's what he was convicted of. He was convicted of extortion and yep. wound up serving 13 years on a 20-year sentence. Mm-hmm. And he was actually released in 95 on parole. Mm-hmm. So, WCVB, which God, pick the three letters that have the most similar sounding names. I know! WCVB. <laughs> WCVB. 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 <laughs> Yeah, no. WCVB, Channel 5 of Boston, so news station there in Boston, reported that court documents that were released in early 2009 showed that Department of Justice investigators had concluded that Lewis was responsible for the poisonings. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Despite the fact that they did not have enough evidence to charge him, they were convinced he was the one who did it. So. No. Um, in early January of '09, Illinois authorities d- renewed the investigation, and federal agents searched the home of James Lewis in Cambridge, Massachusetts. He lived in Boston area at this time. Yeah. Um, and seized a number of items. Uh, back in Chicago, an FBI spokesperson declined to comment, but did say that we'll have something to release later, possibly. Which is such a fucking cop out. Like <laughs> maybe. Hashtag stay tuned. Hashtag wait and see. Yeah. That is such a cop-out. I know. So law enforcement officials um, at at this time had received a number of tips related to the case that 
you know, had coincided with its 25th anniversary. Um, and in a written statement, the FBI explained that, you know, this review, the renewing of the investigation, yeah. was prompted in part by the recent 25th anniversary of the crime and the resulting publicity of it. Further, given many recent advances in forensic technology, it's only natural that a second look should be taken at the case and recovered evidence. Mm -hmm. So they're basically like, mm, technology's better, let's look again. Yeah. So in January 2010, both Lewis and his wife did submit DNA samples and fingerprints to the authorities, to which Lewis stated, if the FBI plays it fair, I had nothing to worry about. As of today, the case remains unsolved. Yeah. I knew this one was unsolved. And it's, yeah. it's, it's really crazy to me that they have never been able to locate who did this. It's insane because it's such a huge crime. I feel like there are very few massive and attention-capturing crimes like this yeah. that are unsolved. Yeah. I mean... Because even you can compare it to ones that are like cult phenomenons like the Zodiac. But I feel like this is on a whole different scale because this happened within days. Whereas the Zodiac happened over years. Like right. it's, I feel like the Zodiac, you know, gripped the area when it was happening. This one gripped the nation instantly. Right. Well, because it was Tylenol. Yeah. It Everybody was just, takes Tylenol. Yeah. It would be like... Oh, fuck. I, I can't imagine some, if something like this happened today. Yeah. I mean, I was just trying to think of something that's, like, so popular, so well-known. And Starbucks was the first thing that popped in yeah, my mind. which... Ugh, but it's I like go for an iced coffee. Actually, yeah. It's not laced with cyanide. Not laced with cyanide. Dude, also remember, we have some Stumptown Nitro. Oh, fuck, yes, we do. So... So good. Yes. But, anyway, I just can't imagine this happening today. Like, the... No. The intensity and... Like, the fucking almost anarchy that must have been felt by the people in the Chicago area at this time. Because it's fucking Tylenol. Yep. And it, they don't know what's going to happen next. Could it be, you know, a leave? Could it be another painkiller? I wonder if a lot of people stopped taking a lot of medications out of fear. Yeah. Well, I bet that the family members... I bet to this Tylenol. day they don't. Nope. They don't do it. Because, they're like, have you proven all the way? Yeah. Or they're like, I'm going to suffer through this headache and this pain because yeah. I'm scared of painkillers. Yeah. Which I, they have every fucking right to be. Yes, they do. So yeah, that is the Chicago Tylenol murders. Oh my god, that's crazy. Yeah. Which I think is like the most well-known example of like indiscriminate killings. No, yeah, that's... Uh, that's definitely it. That's very different avenue than the one I went down. Okay. But you're right. Like, they didn't give a fuck who they killed, whoever this was. They just fucking did it. And I will say, we definitely finished off that bottle of rosé uh, so quicker than we did. But thank God. See, this is why we're smart, because we get two bottles. I know. And I will say, I really feel like we drink white wines. And this one is not white. It's... It's a rosé, but it, similar profile to a white. Yes, but I think we drink it quicker because it's such an easy drink. It is. It's a dangerous one, too. I know. Well, is, and that one is like 13%. I know. It's like a full-ass wine. Because yeah. you know how some whites and rosés are low percent? Again, I think we talked about this a couple episodes ago. I'm pretty sure. But... We just repeat ourselves. That's this podcast. We have different crimes. Same banter. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? 
New tagline. Different crimes, same banter. Oh, that makes it sound boring. Anyway, I'm going to pour more. Pour more wine. And this one, I'm, I will say, I'm glad if I were to spill on your couch, it happened with this one, which will not stain. I know. Thank God. Spill right on my couch. I'll be like, you owe me $300 because that's how much my couch was. So really, you owe me like $150 because it's, you know, wear and tear. Please. Not if you're one of the people I work with. We have an email thread at work where people will post, like, buying and selling shit. Yeah. And there are so many people that will be like, this couch I bought... Um, two years ago, you know, nowhere in tear. I bought it for twelve hundred, so I'm asking a thousand. And I'm like, no, fuck you. Yeah. I get really impassionate about used things, apparently. I will because say I relate to them. I'm actually interested in the things that you get. If I'm ever looking for something, I'm gonna tell you so you can keep an eye out. Uh, I mean, honestly you should because there's probably ten ten plus posts a day of right. people giving away not get selling shit and like from concert tickets to shoes to a phone to furniture a lot of people it's moving a lot of people it's like hey i'm subletting my place or it's like i need to get rid of all this furniture yeah so it i'm gonna show you a picture but if you ever see anyone that has a bar cart that has one of those big wheels uh yeah no fucking tell me I, i would grab that before you but sure you don't need a bar cart you have shelves you don't need a bar cart you have a bar cart i want that bar cart Okay, well. All right. I'm going to get into my murder. All right. Tell me. Okay. So, this is one. Um, oh, first, my sources. I used Ranker, which is becoming something I'm using every single time. Really? And I think, yeah, so I've started getting, like, Facebook clickbait all the time from Ranker. And I think it's because I have been Googling and then clicking on Ranker. See, I get Facebook clickbait all the time from, like, Bored Panda. Oh, I never get those. I get them all the time. And they're always lists I, I I hate, but I click through them anyway. Because they're the kind of list that'll like show you three and then it'll be like, next slide. I hate those. And it that makes me so mad on my phone. Me. I'm like, I just want to scroll. I don't want to click next. I know, but I need to hear like 25 times restaurant employees, you know, re- got revenge on shitty customers. For some reason, I need to hear those. I, know. I need to read all of them. And I hate clicking through the slideshow. But now that I do click on them, of course, that's what it shows up. Thanks, algorithm. Well, Ranker, I like it a lot. I literally click on it all the time. So I use Ranker for this, the New York Daily News, and Wikipedia. Okay. So on January 27th, 2001, this crime happened. And it is known as the Dartmouth College Murders. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, two high school students, James Parker, who was 16, and Robert Tolk, um, T-U-L-L-O-C-H, Tolk. Fuck, I don't know. I know. Sorry, Robert. Sorry, not sorry. You're a murderer. Oh, well, okay. Bye, bitch. Um, He was 17. They murdered two married college professors that worked at Dartmouth. For no reason other than that they were bored with Chelsea, which was a small town in Vermont where they mm-hmm. lived. And it's like fairly, because Dartmouth's in New Hampshire, right? Yes. Okay, so fairly close. Yeah, fairly close. Um, they decided on a whim that they would murder people Fuck. to get some money to start a new life in Australia. All right. Um, these two fucking high school kids have this, have this idea. Wait, how does like rob and murder pe- these people? Yes. Uh 
Can you even buy a plane ticket if you're under 18? It's international. Can you even buy a plane know. ticket in general if you're under 18? I don't know. <laughs> That's a good question. I have no idea. <laughs> I never... No, I was 18. The first time I... So my first trip that I ever took that was not with family was when I went to visit a friend in Jacksonville, Florida, and I was 18. Ew. No, yeah. it was awesome. Okay. Go Jacksonville. It just sounds sweaty. I mean, uh, yeah, it's Florida. Yeah, I know. But yeah, no, my first um, trip was that I bought myself was to London, and I I was 18, turned 19 in London, so... Yeah, so I have no yeah, idea. I, I, I don't think you can. I don't know. Anyway. But, yeah. So, the victims were, again, two professors, Half and Suzanne Zantop. They lived in Etna, New Hampshire, and had immigrated from Germany 25 years prior. They actually met in the States, but they were both German. Oh. Um, they were pillars in the society, loved by many in the community. They seem to have, like, no enemies. Oh. No one hated them. They're, like, that couple that everyone loves, lots of friends. Um, the students at Dartmouth loved both of them very much. Suzanne was the chair of the German department and taught comparative literature. Mm-hmm. And Half was a professor of earth sciences and geology. Mm-hmm. And his students nicknamed him the rock god just because of his deep passion for this subject. That is such a college Thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But because, like, he had the passion, the knowledge. He was the oh. fucking rock god. Half and Suzanne clearly were just very beloved. Yes. Like, fucking phenomenal people. And they'd actually been talking about retirement. Um, I think half, mm. of them, half was in his 60s. Suzanne was in her late 50s. And they were getting ready for that portion of their life together. They had two grown daughters. A huge circle of friends who they would invite over constantly for dinner parties they were very generous caring and always willing to extend a helping hand so like literally this was the couple they're the people like i wish i could be when i'm older same same so um now we'll get into details of what actually happened james said that you know he and robert like i kind of alluded to they said They didn't like the small town life. They thought it was too confining for their vastly superior brains. Oh, fuck. They're those kind of teens. They're those fucking guys that think they're the fucking bomb and know everything. Oh, my God. And are better than everyone. Fuck people like that. Because we all know people that were like that in high school. They were like, too good for this life. I'm too fucking smart. I don't know. Yeah, I get D's in every class. It's because I'm too smart. Fuck off. I hate you. Yeah. Don't murder people. Asshole. So they had decided that Australia and the life of crime was their dream adventure. That's stupid. That would be so cool. They're fucking 16 and 17. They are stupid. stupid They are stupid. 16 and 17 year olds. Um, They needed $10,000 to make this happen. No. I mean, that's what they believed. They needed $10,000 to make this dream happen. Sure, you're wrong. You want a down payment on houses? They all know your credit score. You don't need to get a fake ID. You need to get all this Whatever. Anyway, sorry. Okay. I don't know how to buy a home in Australia, and I don't think they were going to buy a house. They just needed a plane ticket. Yeah, cool. You need a place to live, but sure. Well, apartments. I don't know. Ugh. 
Yeah, fair. So they tossed around all these different ideas of how they were going to do this. You know, car theft, hitting old people with rocks and stealing their money. Like, very high school oh, fucking my ideas. God. Yeah. Eventually, the two of them settled on a scheme. Their idea was to go around the neighborhood, knocking on doors, pretending to be environmental students, conducting a survey. It's a little smart. Okay. It's a little fucking smart. So... Once they were inside, their plan was to tie up their victims, threaten them until they handed over their ATM cards and the PIN number. Which I will say, not necessarily the smartest idea because they'd hand over the PIN number and how do you know it's the right one? But whatever. Again, kids. Well, that and like after they leave, you could just be like, hello, Chase. I need to cancel my card. Yeah, also, because this was 2000. Like, yeah, you just fucking cancel your card. And then they go to the ATM. And it doesn't fucking work. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, not yeah, the brightest. Whatever. Like, they think they're awesome, but not the brightest. No. So, they first attempted this in July of 2000. But the homeowner absolutely refused to open the door to two strangers that he didn't know. Fair. And... I guess the kids, like, kept trying, and the guy wielded a 9mm Glock to make his point. Kids went away. That, okay, that uh, sounds like a Vermont thing to do, so fair. I don't fair. make your point. Actually, it sounds like a very Texas thing to do. The That part of the Northeast is um, very... Oh, I, I always forget it's probably pretty similar. Yeah. It's, well, I'm not going to say it's more similar than you'd think. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of stand your ground people. Yep. Well, this guy wasn't having it. So they waited another six months before they tried anything again. The first house they went to when they tested this theory again or this process, no one was home. Then they knocked on the Zamtop door and half let them in. Of course he did because he's this awesome, nice person. Yep. professor guy he's probably ecstatic that these students are like going out and doing this well the teacher and him came out i think he was a little bit reluctant but he was just like actually no i mean these students are trying to do something i yeah. will be that person that they need so he fucking lets them in God. um suzanne at the time was in the kitchen she's preparing a meal uh for a dinner party that they were having that night oh god and half led the boys into the study and the these two kids are kind of like fumbling through their questions obviously because they're not really environmental students they don't really have a fucking survey yeah and half again being a professor he stated that they needed to be a little bit more prepared and he goes to his desk to find a phone number of someone that can help them so again just this kind-hearted like trying to fucking help these kids that are two little fucking shits yeah um in a rage, Robert pulled a knife from his backpack, and it, it was a military-style commando knife that they had purchased online. They purchased two of them, one for each of them, and they and, he, and Robert started violently stabbing half in the chest and fuck. face. Oh, fuck. And during this process, he accidentally cut his own leg. Suzanne, again, in the kitchen, just making a meal, hears, like, the screams and, like, is like what the fuck she runs in there robert yells at james and says slit her throat james complies fuck robert then came over also started stabbing suzanne in the face and all over her body shit these two left the house covered in blood 
They ended up only taking $340 from Half's wallet. They stole his wallet and that was the money in it. And they left the house full of valuables. So like clearly these kids who their motive was we need money to move to Australia didn't really they don't really do that. They don't get oh my god. Because apparently there were just valuables everywhere in this house that if if robbery and theft was their plan, it is not the action Cause, they took. Because their original city plan was not to kill, it was just to like tie them up and steal, right? I think the plan was to kill, but the main motive was steal and get money. They wanted to move to Australia. Fuck. That was the whole fucking point. Fuck. Get, yeah. Pick your... If any, any of our listeners are like... Well, actually, any of our listeners in general, fucking pick your friends wisely. Yeah. Fuck. Yes. Pick your friends wisely and always trust your own gut. Don't ever and be don't influenced don't murder by people. Someone. Or don't, steal. Don't murder Just people. Don't do don't that. Don't steal. Don't do bad things. Just live a nice, wholesome life. Have some fun, but don't do bad things. Yeah. Stay out of prison. Stay out of jail. So, a friend of the couple, Roxana Verona, arrived at the house for the dinner party. And the home is completely silent with the door wide open. So, she walks in and, unfortunately, finds the blood-drenched bodies of her friends in the study. So, she immediately notifies police. I could never, ever in a bazillion years imagine being this friend. Yeah. Like. How do you, how do you come back from something like that? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Because we talked about it in a past episode of like, finding a stranger's body is different finding someone you love and know. Yeah. So, um, these two kids had extremely inflated egos, obviously, as I'm sure you have, uh, learned. Um, they believe without a doubt they were more important and smarter than everybody else. Of course they're fucking dead. I mean, but like, however, apparently they weren't. Yeah. They weren't smart enough to get away with murder. Uh, they ended up leaving the knife sheaths um, behind at the murder scene. They fucking just left them there. Yeah. So like, something that they could easily like, look at the serial number, look at who fucking bought it. Yeah, so, exactly. The sheaths were designed for a specific kind of 7-inch long blade, and investigators ended up pouring over the sales of this specific knife. Yeah. It led them to a December 2000 sale of two of the knives in Chelsea, Vermont. This was only three weeks after the murder. So it didn't take investigators too long to pinpoint these boys. Uh, no. Police went to the homes of the boys... First was James. He They questioned him, and James actually had an alibi for the time of the crime. How? I don't know. I wasn't able to find his alibi. Uh, Clearly, it was a lie. Because James is the one that complied and, stabbed and cut Suzanne's throat. Yes. Okay. Yes. Robert seems to be the mastermind behind this. Yeah. And he was the one that was a year older, and it seems like James, like, followed him around. He was more around. influent. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, like, kind of imagining this relationship, and... Side note, what I'm, all I'm about to say did not come from my research. It just kind of, like, I feel it from what I read. Yeah. That James kind of, you know, looked up to Robert, did whatever yeah. Robert wanted him to. Just, like, that kind of yeah. friendship. Well, when you're... Which I think is how... I feel like that's the only reason or way you could convince your friend to murder someone with you. Yeah. Well, and what, also when you're in high school, when you're that age, someone that like one year older makes a lot difference they you see them as so much more mature and so much older and 
nowadays I look I have friends that are like four years older and I'm like oh my god you can get your shit together why can't you be more like me just kidding kids are so short sighted they're so childish yeah they're kids yeah. So, um, James said that he and Robert purchased the knives to build a fort. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Um, he said they sold them to a surplus store because they, after they got them, they determined, like, they're too heavy. They're not what they needed. You know, basically, James is like... Oh, yeah, we, we did buy those, them. but, like, we don't have But, like, more. we got rid of them. Which I will say, for a 16-year-old, that's pretty smart. To be like, yeah, we totally bought those, but then we sold them to the surplus store, so... Someone else must have bought it and then murdered these I people. I guess, honestly, because I can't see a surplus store being the kind of place to, like, check UPC numbers and all that. I know. I'm I just saying, you, like... Is UPC the right word? Yes. Okay. I mean, I will say, like, yes, these kids were smart from the things that... They were stupid and smart. It's like they yeah. had smarts in certain areas and then like some things. Because their whole idea, well, honestly. They had, the, they had the smarts, but they didn't have the intelligence to use yes. those. Yes. No, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. Um, because their idea of, you know, this environmental survey, I'm like, no, that sounds pretty legit. Like kids do that shit. Yeah. And <sighs> poor happened, Suzanne. Yeah. So, um, James agreed to undergo fingerprinting and, um, sure. Yeah. So when the police went to Robert's house, Robert shared the exact same story as James about the fort. And so when they asked him about the cut on his leg, he said he fell, like tripped on a rock and, um, he cut it on a metal spigot. Spigot. Sure. Yeah, sure. A knife cut does not look like a fallen onto something cut, but sure. I know. I know. That's what he said. Robert did sign a search warrant, and he allowed the police to fingerprint him and borrow his boots for potential matching purposes. Okay. Um, all this was done without a lawyer present. Like, the kids just talked. Oh. Oh, I don't like where this is going. Kids just talked. So... Wait. Question. I... D- so Robert's sixteen. Mm-hmm. Are they are police allowed to do stuff like this without a parent or a guardian older than eighteen present? Okay, so I feel like that's a really field question because as far as allowed to and do it anyway. Yeah, but that I'm just saying. Like, I feel like that could be almost. I'm not a lawyer or. It, but I feel like that could almost be grounds for dismissal. I will say, in my research, I did not find whether the parents were present or not. Okay. I almost feel like... So, in my head, I'm envisioning the police going to the home, so I feel like their parents were probably there. Yeah. There was no lawyer. At this point in time, the parents are not suspecting their children of doing anything. Yeah. So, like, so, oh, of course, sure, yeah. Look at this shit. Side note. Have I ever told you that I was questioned by a detective when I lived at The Edge in Norman? No. Yeah. I only vaguely remember it because it never came back up. Mm-hmm. But, like, there was this one night, this detective knocks on our door. And it's, you know, we're, I mean, how old are we? We're in, like, our young 20s. There's, like, three girls at home. And we're, like, nervous to open the door because we weren't expecting guests. And we open it. And it's this guy we don't know. And he's, like, he was a detective. I don't even remember what he was asking about. 
Like, that's how oh. clouded this moment is in my memory. God, okay. But it was something, like, we knew nothing about, which is why I think we were never questioned again. Like, we were literally, like, we have no fucking clue what you're talking about. But I guess something had happened in the area, and we answered some questions, and I think, oh, I'm remembering a little bit. I think it was when we heard something that sounded like a gunshot, and that was all we knew. I think a friend and I were sitting on the balcony or something and heard something, and this was, like, three or four days later, maybe even a week. But, like, the detective comes and he's asking us questions and we're like, I mean, like, I think we heard something. I don't know. Like, yeah, completely unreliable. Like, total. Yeah. Which is one of the things that makes me realize how witnesses are so hard to trust unless they, like, fucking know. Because if it's someone that's kind of like, I don't know. Because if it's a moment that and there's nothing memorable for you, you can't really recount it. Yeah. I mean, the recent poppings... Oh, yeah, that we heard. Or gunshots or whatever that we heard a couple days ago. Yeah. I would remember, I know something similar happened like a month ago, but I I couldn't be relaxed. I don't know what I was doing. I vaguely remember thinking I heard something like that. I feel like the only reason I would remember what happened this week is because I texted you about it. Yeah, it's because we talked about it. And then we like followed up and looked at the next door app to see what was going on like yeah we, we made it something memorable but any other thing like if you're just like oh okay you're gonna think about exactly exactly also the fact that it was more than one i think that's why because yes. i think the fact that like when we first heard it my first i was like i don't know firework early you know well, the Whatever. reason I texted you is because we had just been outside. I wanted to make sure yeah. you weren't outside again or yeah. still or something. That's why I texted you. Oh. Um. Anyway, uh, so yeah. back to this. The The next day after the questioning, the families of these two boys found that the boys had left. Like, they had fucking skipped town. Oh. Um. James left his father a note asking him not to call the cops. The dad obviously fucking immediately called the cops. Yes. Police determined... Uh, you know, kind of during this time that Robert's boots matched a footprint in the Zantop home. So these boys are definitely suspects. Yeah. Their fingerprints were also found at the scene oh and they were able God. to match that. A warrant was out for Robert's arrest and James was wanted for further questioning. The pair ended up in their escape ditching their car in Massachusetts and Police ended up being able to find James and Robert in Indiana. Oh. They're, they were on their way to California trying to... I, I don't know if they were just skipping town or what they're trying to do. I'm sure it's that whole idea of, like, freedom to in Australia. California. Well, no, not Wait, even what? get to Australia, but the whole idea of, like, skipping out ahead into the coast, freedom there. It's, like, almost a whole different world kind right. of thing. No, that totally makes sense. They Sorry. were hitchhiking. Oh, I was like, how the fuck are they get? Did yeah, they get to I had a feeling that was your question. So they were hitchhiking, and the way the police found them did was... I ever, sorry, did I ever tell you about the time I picked up a hitchhiker? Why did you do that? Because Why felt, would you ever I know, do that? Because I felt bad for him. I was coming back from daddy's, and he needed a ride to Ardmore. Oh my god. <laughs> if y'all could see my face right now, I'm it's, giving him like this very horrified look of, I'm glad you're not fucking dead i know but i don't know there was something about this dude i had because i 
I had actually seen him at a gas station. You realize our family's going to listen to this, and you're going to get questions at Christmas. Just prep yourself. Oh, I know. I know. Prep yourself. I know. But I had seen him at a gas station because I was getting gas before, we le- before I left, and I had driven, like, I left and driven, like, a mile down the road, and something about this guy was like, okay, now I... So I turned around and Jesus! went to pick him up, and he was a really nice guy. I gave him some poppy seed bread, because he was... I think he was homeless. Um, And he was trying to get back to his mom's house in Ardmore. And that's on the road. So I was like, sure, I can drop you off, like, at the gas station that's at this exit. And he was like, that's perfect. So I drove him and then dropped him off. That was so nice of you and also so stupid of you. I know. I know. The entire ride from Ardmore home, I was like, why the fuck did I do that? I could have, I don't know. I could have been murdered. How old were you when you did this? Oh, like 17 or something fucking kid see kids yeah don't smart but no intelligence yep like you just fucking said oh oh no i was a fucking smart ass idiot in high school i agree didn't murder anyone though you didn't murder anyone but i will say don't pick up hitchhikers don't do it please don't but please don't like i don't know like it's it's something that was more or less safer you know, 20 years ago. Was it? Okay, it wasn't. Because you know how many... That's so fair. normally... Okay, I will say normally. Maybe that's not the right word. From the things I have read and researched and heard, a lot of the times the people hitchhiking are the ones who are killed. Yeah. Because the people who pick them up, like fucking Ed Kemper, are... Fair. You know. Fair. Co-ed killer. Gonna, gonna yeah. fucking kill them. So... But still, not safe. Don't do it. Don't do it. I, d- I do it. only, I only partially regret it though because again, dude, just wanted to get home. I know, I know. But also, like, could have been a murderer. So again, yeah, I don't think I've told anyone that story actually. And now you've told everyone. Now I've told everyone. There you go, guys. All right. You know, it worked out well for me. Might not work out for you. Don't do it. Don't do it. The police ended up finding them because of CB chatter from the radios of the interstate truckers. Because they were hitchhiking with the truckers. The trucker calls on the radio and the cop answered it. Because they also have their radios and pretended to be another trucker saying like, oh yeah, just drop them up here. We'll pick them up. I mean, they fucking did, but you know, they weren't helping them get to California. Yeah. (laughs) That is so smart. Cops are fucking smart. They really are fucking damn i know i I couldn't do it it was brilliant so they uh the police ended up finding the weapons uh that were used in the murder robert left them them? oh yeah robert left them in a box in his room i know again it's like they're smart but they're fucking stupid and again like the fingerprints matched the bloody footprints matched and their dna like there was blood because robert cut his leg yeah so there was just no denying that these boys had done it they were on the scene and everything was matching (sighs) so during the trial james who again we've discussed seemed like this like accomplice and that kind of robert's under his wing whatever yeah James broke down in tears. He apologized to the victim's daughters. And, you know. Cool. Fuck you. Yeah, I know. Seriously. But, like, so he's actually showing emotion. And Robert remained calm. No remorse. Showed nothing. 
Dude's fucked up. Yeah. So in November 2001, James ended up cutting a plea deal, agreeing to testify against Robert in exchange for a drastically reduced sentence. So his drastically reduced sentence was accessory to second degree murder for Suzanne's killing, and it carried a sentence of 25 to life, which made him eligible for parole in 2026. So, okay, so it was still like an actual sentence. It was an actual okay. sentence. Because I'm like, no, but he still did fucking murder Suzanne. He did. <laughs> the big part of this, like, reduced sentence is the eligibility for parole. Yeah, and, and okay. See that? Okay, fair. And you'll understand more of this here in a moment. Um, James ended up giving a full confession describing everything that led up to the killings, all the detail that you know we have of these crimes is from james's confession and kind of the most baffling piece of this puzzle is that he revealed you know why the xantops were chosen and it was just random chance fuck they just wanted money these people just have to be the ones that open the door and let them in fuck because like i said they had tried a couple of times prior and hadn't made it into the home how scary must it be for you know, the dude that answered the door and was like, no, I'm not going to let you in. Because I'm sure the thought crosses my mind of like, okay, fuck, it's students, college town, whatever. Yeah, we'll let you in. Yeah. And then he did. How? Because I'm sure, I mean, there's enough detail in it for him to know he was, like, Almost quote unquote, involved. Yeah. 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 No, I know. Um, so attorneys tried to defend Robert with an insanity plea, like that he, no, no, wait, hang on. I got to restart that whole thing. So attorneys tried an insanity defense for Robert. He, it failed. Yeah. He definitely does not seem like the kind of person that, because from what I understand, from I mean, he thinks in, he's fucking the bomb. Well, yeah, but from what I understand of insanity plays, one of the key things about it, and I could be wrong, l- let me know if I am, but is not understanding the consequences or actions of your crime. And it seems like he very much knew what he was doing and oh yeah, like what was going on. He was so, the mastermind yeah, no. behind this. Like the way I'm seeing it, this was Robert's plan, and James just followed along yeah i don't know if that's true but that's literally what how i'm reading it yeah no i agree um so obviously this insanity defense it did not work robert pled guilty to first degree murder and was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole i wonder so i guess it could have been part of a plea deal or the state because i don't think vermont is a death penalty state but i think New Hampshire is? Yeah, I think they did this in Vermont. And the plea deal was for James, not Robert. Oh, so he didn't... Well, cause... No, no, no. James, t- like, p- like, the plea deal was for him to tell a story no, no, no. and to basically turn in Robert. No, no, no. I know. But Robert, since he pled guilty Oh, I'm it, sorry. Yes. So, I guess, I guess it could have been in either state. But because he pled guilty, he's not getting the death penalty, though... Right. Okay. Right. No death penalty I'm here. I'm pretty sure in New Hampshire, pretty sure New Hampshire is a death penalty state. I might be oh, wrong. Oh, is it really? I think so. Okay. 
I might be wrong, but I think New Hampshire is, and I think Vermont is not. So if it did happen in New Hampshire, it's not, or it, it could be on the table. Either way, his sentence is life without parole. Yep. Yep. Okay. Life without parole. Um, the two of them are actually being held in the same prison, which I find kind of That's interesting. That's weird. Yep. They're both at Northern New Hampshire Correctional Facility, but their contact with one another is reported as pretty minimal. They even are like in the same lunch hall and everything, and they don't they don't associate with one another. I mean, I feel like that's really dangerous for James because he accepted the plea deal to testify against Robert. No, why it's would really dangerous? And I don't know why they're in the same place. Yeah, I feel like that is fucked up because as fucked up as what James did, and he should definitely be in prison. Yeah, his safety is still something that should be taken into account, and I. It should be. I feel like that is something. I, I feel like they. Fuck, even if they're in the same place, be in different cell blocks or something. I know. And not have to, like, have lunch together in the yeah. same room. So in 2012, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that such a sentence, you know, life without parole for juveniles, was cruel and unusual punishment and it was unconstitutional. Because. I, Oh, okay. I don't necessarily disagree. But, sorry, continue. Well, what else were you going to say? Well, I was saying, I don't necessarily disagree because I understand. Because I can see how a 15-year-old, that's, whatever. He was 17. So, well, 17 and 16? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I can understand how they would not necessarily... I mean, we've been talking so much about how fucking stupid high schoolers are. Yeah. And how much they don't understand consequences of actions. So I can get it under the pretense of you very much know what you're doing is wrong, but you necessarily don't understand how wrong... Because let's be real... We, we haven't murdered people, but we all did stuff when we were 16, 17 that's fucking stupid. You think about it now and you're like, I, are you fucking, why did I do that? I'm such a fucking idiot. Because we weren't yeah. really thinking of like past that moment. So I get it. I think under heinous circumstances of this, because I also know when I was 16, I wouldn't have been like, I'm going to murder someone. I'm going to take their money and go to Australia. Right. Because you still do understand consequences to a point. You may not when it, you know, is lighter, more, I guess, acceptable amongst your friends, but... Sorry. Anyway, that was a tangent. Well, basically, the court decided this... Like, the whole reason this came up is they were saying that these kids are just juveniles in in general. Their brain is not completely developed. They don't know. And you can argue that as much as you want. That was what they decided. Yeah. And because of this, Robert was granted a resentencing hearing. Okay. As of 2014, his case was one of four that were going to be reviewed by the New Hampshire Supreme Court. For this resentencing. Yeah. His case of all of those four is the most high profile one being revisited. Um, and, you know, he can go through this entire process and his sentence could be the same. Yeah. He could still end up with life without parole. Like, they can present evidence, okay. etc. 
Um, it's scheduled or was scheduled for April of 2018. And I searched high and low and could not find what the results were. So okay. it may have been pushed back. Yeah. I kind of feel like it didn't happen because of how high profile this case is. It, yeah, no, you would have been able to find I would have found something. something. So, so I'm assuming something's happened, has been pushed back. But, you know, we'll find out eventually if Robert gets a different sentence. Fuck. But wait, was James offered the same? No. No, because, because he, he has the option of parole. Exactly. I wonder if, so, if under this Supreme Court case, and you might not know, I'm, I don't. Okay. Maybe one of our listeners does, but if a, a sentence that's something like 170 years without parole would also fall under this because more like essentially that is life without parole because no one lives that long right but because i know the number of years like when you see someone that gets like 200 years or whatever is usually due to multiple crimes having either a minimum sentence and they just like add it up yeah yeah and so i just wonder because i mean i feel like you I, i think you can get those extensive like ridiculous 170 year sentences for like, for, like drug, drug yeah, 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 yeah for like non-violent crimes and I wonder if that would fall under this same like be, since Robert got the option life. because he got life without parole oh. whereas the other one didn't James, because he got yeah, 25 because he got 25 to, to life, life with parole yes so I, I wonder if it's under the same umbrella or not. No. So oh. James's sentencing was not under the same umbrella. That mm. is something I do know for a fact. Yeah. So like, yes, he did get 25 to life, but he has the possibility of parole. So there is a chance that Robert could serve less time than James. If Robert's resentencing gave is him le- something, it- yes, I mean, yes, the, the way you're saying like it's a possibility, but again, like I said, Robert could end up with the same sentence. That's true. That's I think true. it's like it's something about re-examining the evidence and making sure that that was the right sentencing. I would hope that, regardless of their, if they find something new for Robert. Or if they don't, just because of what, at least what you've described, I would hope that if they were to give Robert a lesser sentence, because they re-looked at the evidence and the ages, they would also extend the same for James. Because I feel, I don't know, I, I just feel like it would be unjust for Robert to get an easier deal because of the reexamination, and for James to get a worse off deal in the end because he took the plea bargain. But yeah, I, but if you think about it, say James serves okay, so twenty five to life with parole. Say he gets parole after twenty years. Well, he's thirty seven years old, or he's thirty six years old. He still has so much life ahead of him. I know, but if he gets Robert, denied patrol, patrol parole yes i see what you're saying but i'm just i'm thinking like for the criminal best case scenario Mm -hmm. and what their sentencing was 
James has the option of being out when he's in his 30s. I guess that's true. Robert doesn't. That's true. That's fair. And, and again, I'm not defending them, but I'm just like trying to get to the point of what yeah. like the the reasoning as to why Robert has this possibility of a resentencing. Yeah. And I really want to like nail in the point like his fucking sentencing could still be the same. That's he true. He could still stay in prison for life. That's true. I guess They're my, just re-examining it. So it's my, almost like just kind of an, an appeal. A different kind yeah. of appeal. I guess my fear would just be that if someone was like, well, time served. He's good. Well, okay. Our like, system is fucked. fucked. We know yeah. that. Well, I know, but our system is real fucked. Like, Yeah. I don't even know how to go on from that because we could start like a whole another fucking episode. We could and we would and we won't. (laughs) We could, we would, we we won't. You know what? Honestly, the same thing that Robert and James should have thought. We could, we would, we won't. They should have Boom, bitches. Honestly, And then half and Suzanne could be living their retired life, being the fucking ballers that they were. Being like, let's host dinner parties in Boca Raton because we're old and retired. It's in Florida. It makes me so sad because this couple seems like amazing. Like, I would love to get to know them and and go to their dinner parties and just... they, They seem like, as you said earlier, like the pillars of the town. Yeah. They really do. Yeah. But... Could you imagine being one of their students at fucking Dartmouth? How would you deal with that? I don't know. I don't either. Because obviously your education has to continue. That's... But your fucking professors got murdered. Yeah, and it's not only just like a professor, it's like a professor you love. A professor everyone loves. I hope... Yeah. And this isn't enough. They deserve so, so much more. I hope there's a fucking statue... a room, something. the library, something named after them for their memory because they definitely, they only sound like the kind of professors that deserve to be remembered forever. They do. They I mean, do. regardless of how they died, they sound like the kind of people that the energy they put in the school, the energy they put into the town is something that deserves to be remembered and memorialized. I would not be surprised if there's definitely something for so. these guys. I hope so. So. Off that heaviness. Although, let's be real. Every every time we get done with both stories, it's just fucking heavy. It's always heavy it's because heavy. our topics are heavy. What yeah. we talk about is heavy. <laughs> we don't pick light murders. We don't pick light. <laughs> the t- You know, honestly, no, I'm not even going to go there because no murders are light. No murders light. are light. I know. We, I was don't about to be type, like, no. we don't pick light crime topics. We don't pick like, <laughs> and then Susie shoplifted nail polish and learned her lesson. Nope. But post-mortem? Yeah, I think it's time. So, mine is the story of... Not even the story. I don't know why I always say that. You always call it a fucking story. It's not a story. But I don't know what to tell. I don't know what to call it. Mine is... My report, my crime, my analysis, my presentation. Don't say the word presentation. No, this is not (laughs) school. (laughs) But, okay, mine was the Chicago Tylenol murders. Where innocent people from all walks of life, ranging from a fucking 12-year-old girl to fucking three members of the same family to just fucking innocent people. The three members of the same family. That, to me, that's that's the kicker. Me too. The fucking 
three members of the same family. Their brother slash brother-in-law dies, and then two more die. Like, this is... This is dark, but I'm like... I, I, I could see, like, there being more suicide in the family because of that. Because how... That would be... I'm just trying to think of if, like, both you and Sydney were murdered. That would be hard. I know. That would be in... Yeah. It would be something that would... Uh, I can't even. Yeah. I, I don't even want to go there, but I... Anyway. So, yeah. Same family. But also just fucking people that are like, I have a headache. I'm going to ta- take some medicine. So I'm innocent. sick. I'm going to take some medicine. So innocent. And then this fucking monster who... We don't know to this day who it was. Who did it. The person who did it could very well likely be fucking sitting at home, sipping some coffee, reading the paper, you know, having breakfast. I'm imagining this happening in morning time. But, like, you know, fucking having some breakfast, doing their life. Getting getting to live the life that none of his victims got to have. Yeah. Well, and mine, you know, two high school kids who think that they're the shit and are better than everyone decide to just kill for money. Like, it's just, it's sick, it's ridiculous, but I I will say the, I think yours was the top one of this this episode, just because of how innocent the victims were. Like, obviously mine were innocent as well, but yours was people literally just taking a Tylenol. Yeah, reaching for something for a headache or for throat pain or whatever, and then you're dead. I think next time you're going to get to pick our wine. Oh, thank God. And I will pick our topic. Yes. And, yeah. Okay. Well, that was, um, honestly, I know all of our topics are heavy, and they really are. are. Yeah. I feel like this episode was a lot. Like, I feel like this, Mm -hmm. this one was more. And I don't know if it's because of the indiscriminate nature of the murders that, which that is really like, does just it makes an impact because there's like there isn't a difference in a lot of ways but it's always there is between there like and you know is. killing someone specifically out of passion you know murdering yeah. a spouse because they cheated or because we you don't know, murdering someone because you have a reason to murder that person and then just killing because you're gonna kill like that mm-hmm Fuck. There's just something that makes it... And in a lot of ways, I don't know if it should make it, but it does make it so much more heinous. It does. I think because killing just for the sake of killing and not caring about your victim shows just so much darkness and not caring upon the murderer. Like, they're just... They don't fucking care. They're superior and, like... You know, well the fact you that, get to do this because you want to fucking do it. Yeah, well, the fact that you're you're going to kill regardless, rather than this person did this, so I need to murder them. It's fuck. I mean, it. I yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I won. I get thankfully to pick the wine next week. You do. Um. Because I don't want to pick the topic. <laughs> this one, I picked the topic thinking like, oh, this will be interesting. 
And no, this one was hard. And yeah. not hard to find something, just hard to do. do. Yeah. Because I feel like with every case we talk about, you a little bit get in the mind of both the killer and the victim just because of the research. Yeah. And in this one, very easily, I, I'm much more gone into the minds of the victims. Because everything they too. did is something either I did, i.e. like, you know, taking a Tylenol, or something I want to be, i.e. being the type of couple that hosts dinner parties and is a pillar in your community. I know. And, yeah. I... Fuck. I don't know. I don't know where to go from here. Well, all I want to do right now is go eat our leftover pasta. And I think we need it after this. I agree. So, on that note, uh, signing off. Yes. All right. XOXO. XOXO. Blood and wine. Bye. Bye, Bye. bitches.